Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello you, it's Driven Celebrities. I'm Andy J. This is podcast number four. Goodness me, the time is flying by, but the celebrities are coming thick and fast, which is really lovely. If you've heard a few of the shows by now, you get the groove of what we're into. If you're new to it, then you'll know that we like to take a diverse range of celebrities and just chat to them about how they're doing, what drives them, what gets them up in the morning, what makes them different, what makes them the same as us, and so on and so forth. And I would say today's show just shows you the kind of spread that we have. Three lovely and very different people for you today. First up, he is the star of Kill List and Luther and Spaced. Well, he stars in all of those. If it, He might not be the lead star, but he's a big name in all of those. He's a really terrific actor, as well as being a really genuinely fantastic human being. At least that was my experience of him. The fabulous Michael Smiley. He joins us first. Then, if you like your reality shows, you'll know all about this guy. If you don't, I think you're going to really be surprised by the depth and the thought that he brings to the conversation. Made in Chelsea veteran, Mr Jamie Lang. He's been on the show since, uh, I think, pretty much day one. And I think he's the only character, that really, who was in there from the start that is still going. Really, really interesting conversation with Jamie. Took me by absolute surprise with his honesty, his openness, and uh, I think you'll find it a very rewarding and engaging listen. I hope so. Of course, it's all about him and uh, and how he approaches life. And, and it's I felt I'd learnt a lot, not just about him, but about, you know, how, how we can all look and approach things. And then the last one for you, she is a professional dancer from Strictly Come Dancing. She made the headlines for that infamous kiss um, with Sean Walsh a while ago and uh, and it ended up breaking up her marriage and, and his relationship at the time. Try to talk to her about that a little bit. You'll hear her response to that. Um, and we finish the show as well as ever with our lovely automotive pairing, the magnificent Amy Shaw and John Markar. They just close it out ever so quickly because they're part of the Driven Chat podcast, which you can also find here on this pod provider. Listen, I, I'm, I'm proud of this show. I'm really chuffed you're, you're taking the time to listen to it. Thank you. If you could be kind enough to, to chuck a review in our direction, ideally, even if it's just, you know, five words, I thought this was okay, or, hey, I'm enjoying the show, that would be really helpful because apparently it helps us get noticed and means we can keep doing them. If you'd like to give us some high-ranking reviews in terms of stars, that would also be really lovely. The ones and the twos, they, they kind of harm us. So if you could avoid that, that would be brilliant, unless you're not a very nice person. But, you know, we know you're nice, really, don't we? So anyway, I'm going to stop groveling and get on with the chat. Thanks for your company. I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful week. And uh, here are our guests. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey there, welcome to Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. We have an absolutely jam-packed celebrity chat show for you for this next hour. Let me tell you who we've got coming up. Well, we have Strictly Come Dancing professional dancer, Katia Jones. 
You may remember that name. She's the one that got in the, the trouble for kissing Sean Walsh. Anyway, she's on the show. She's got a lot to talk about. I think she's, um, she's going to be a very, very interesting guest, actually. Then we have Made in Chelsea veteran. Anybody that watches Made in Chelsea will know this guy. Anybody that doesn't watch Made in Chelsea will still almost certainly know this guy, Mr. Jamie Lang. Yeah, he's here for a nice long chat about him and his life and how he's getting on. But first up, very happy to be able to introduce an actor who has, well, just such an impressive CV. Luther, Kill List, Space, Shaun of the Dead, Black Mirror. He was even in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The magnificent Mr. Michael Smiley. This is Driven with me, Andy J. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Here we go, then let's dive straight in, shall we, and chat to our first guest. I'm elated to be able to welcome Mr. Michael Smiley. How are you doing, Michael? I'm very well, Andy. Thanks for asking. I'm actually um, sitting in my van outside my front door because we've got an electrician in the house and he's just left chaos. He turned up at 7 o'clock this morning and it's like a bomb's went off an electrical plant in my house. <laughs> I've retired to my Mazda Bongo, which is sitting outside my front door. Well, this is, I mean, this yeah. is glorious, Michael. The show title is driven. It's about what drives celebrities and achievers and what they drive. And, and so you've taken us literally and you've jumped in the car, as it were. Yeah. I'm in my van, in my camper van, my Japanese camper van called them a Mazda Bongo. Oh, what colour what color were we looking at, Michael? Oh, it's just a silver, baby. It's just a silver. It's an innocuous silver. Underneath it, it just hides so much love. I love the fact that it's called a bongo. Even just calling it a bongo makes people smile. Absolutely. So it's me, my wife, my two kids, my dog. We go to France in it. We travel all over in it. We just love it. It's a little troop carrier from the Suns football team. So you properly, you properly road trip in this thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. We drive to the south of France. Where that's why we're a bit gutted. Normally, you'd be calling me, and I'd be in the south of France. Right? <laughs> um, we go down. We drive down to the Pyrenees from London. Um, We've got, I've got a house in the Pyrenees, so we go down there as much as we can. And we stop off at um, a friend's place who's got, he's got Jeeps and being uh, like a B&B down in the Loire Valley. He's a fantastic stand-up comedian and author called Ian Moore. He's got a fantastic place down there. He's the only mod in France, I think. And so when you take these trips, Michael, which sounds like they're quite regular, which is brilliant, how mm. much of it is... You just loving the drive of the, you know, the, the whole journey. How much of it you just like, you're sitting in the bongo, the family's there, you're on a trip, and you just, you, you appreciate every minute. And how much of it is it, right, we've just got to eat some miles up because we've got to do 100 miles in the next hour or so, two hours, whatever it is. Let's just, let's just get our heads down and crack on. Well, actually, you know, it, it, there's something quite um, meditative about driving long distances and um, over a long period of time. So you're hyper aware of what's going on around you and you're locked into this um, this action. So you don't think about it too much about the danger, but you're, c you're completely aware. And at the same time, it's the perfect time for listening to podcasts. We do a lot of podcasts going down. Um, so my wife's a journalist, and she does a lot of um, reviews of podcasts, so she'll always recommend ones. When I heard you'd agreed to come on the show, I was absolutely thrilled and then a bit scared because I have watched you for years in so many incredible dramas, and, and more often than not, you, you do get quite an edgy character don't you i mean you, yeah. you you tend to land some of these roles which must be great to play because these some of these people are just a little bit unhinged or a bit frightening or a bit nuts or a bit wild yeah i think with um i just like the 
I've got people think I've got that personality that I'm, I'm funny, but then I can flip to being dark, and so that's sort of what's perceived of me, and I get I get those sort of uh, characters offered, which I really enjoy doing. I think he was kind of darker character. He's a lot more interesting than Mr. Sunshine. You know what I mean? Mr. Sunshine's quite linear and just normally just brings a wee bit of exposition and disappears. Or maybe he ends up with the girl at the end, but so what? You know what I mean? He didn't didn't get the chance to go on a rampage like uh, my character did. The job that I've done recently, which is Dead Still, it was interesting to play the opposite of that, to play this um, sort of quite ambient, introspective, inward character who's very private. And that was an interesting one to play as well. No one photographs the dead better than you. My darling Mary. I've never seen her so alive, Mr. Let's not touch Mary. Give me a few minutes. I need to liven her up a bit. (laughs) Murders. Murders in front of the camera. The bodies were posed in the exact same position. We could use your expertise. Photography can be a tool for the criminal. I'd love to see us make it a tool for the law. Even the character details of this guy is are slightly surreal, Michael. You know, I mean, you must have, when they called you and said, right, Michael, we'd love you to, 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 to be in this show, and you'd say, mm-hmm. okay, well, what am I playing? A guy who photographs dead people. I mean, you know, that's... Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. in the Victorian times. Right. Yeah, well, I think, you know, yeah, but also what you've got to look at, what I looked at, which was I thought was interesting, because I'd heard about this Daguerre-type uh, photographs and photography, and I'd also knew about memorial photographs, you know, taking photographs of dead people, like from the Wild West, like Billy the Kid, his dead body and stuff like that. And really what it was, which I latched onto, which was the birth of photography, which was then, you know, fascinating. If you think back in those days, there were so many things being invented that today we take for granted. Like the bicycle, for example, I'm a massive cyclist. The bicycle was invented around that time. Photography was invented around that time. And all of a sudden, people had mobility and people had the ability to um, capture a moment. The only problem was that the equipment that they were using was very cumbersome, like it was penny farthings for the bicycle. And for the camera, it was like brass and heavy wood. And it was, you know, so they could only take photographs of stuff that wasn't moving. That also coincided with Queen Victoria and that sort of mourning that she went through because of Albert dying, which meant that the whole of um, the British Empire went into a state of mourning with her. And then that sort of mourning and slightly gothic stuff became quite fashionable. And also there was things around at that time. There was these sort of like quite dark spiritual, spiritualist, black magic, uh, like in agencies around the place like the Hellfire Club or Alistair Crowley and stuff like that was going on at the time. So it was a a very interesting um, era and for it to be set in Dublin, so it was Victorian and then it was set in Dublin, I find fascinating and for it to be an Irish production. So you're always going to get like a slightly different perspective. It's going to come in at a different angle. And then this character, Brock Blennerhassett, they told that the character's name is Brock Blennerhassett yeah. and he's Irish. Yeah. Like, my God, who's, what's going on here? So then he's landed gentry, which was in, in Ireland was known as Anglo. He was Anglo-Irish. So okay. It was a part of was part of the British Empire at that time. There was a lot of landed gentry who were bored. It's where a lot of these like hellfire clubs came from. Was people, you know, with more money and time on hands, you know what I mean? The devil makes work for idle hands type right, thing. Right. He had his life mapped out for him. He was just going to have this genteel life in the country estate. And he gave it all up to pursue this newfangled thing called the camera, which, you know, had a, like the same effect as probably the internet had on us 20 years ago, you know? It's a massive invention, really. What stays still? Dead things. 
you know, things that don't move. So then they were uh, that mixture of gothic. So then what they would do was they would, they would dress up their recently dead and get a family photograph taken before they enter them. So it makes sense. I just think we look at stuff through um, our sensibilities, modern sensibilities, and things look really strange. But in those days, it wasn't strange. You know, you want to see a, fa- you want to remember your um, your loved one. How do you do it? What they used to do was like a lock of hair or teeth or um, a child. If it was a child, like a child's cardigan, and they would they would frame those things. You know, yeah, and wear them as lockets. Everyone listening to this, Michael, is is going to probably be feeling exactly the same as I as I'm feeling right now, which is I want to be friends with Michael Smiley. You know, you just sound, <laughs> you sound brilliant, mate. You know, I'm to- I'm totally in tune with your vibe. I love it. Well, I think, you know, like, really, life's hard, and it's hard for a lot of people. And, you know, it can be, you know, people can be unsympathetic to the idea of you being an actor or you working as film and TV. They all think it's a bit laddie down. We're sitting around having somebody peel grapes for us. But there's a lot of people that work in film and television and theatre. Like me as an actor, I'll get a call time at, say, 6.30 in the morning, and I'll get on to set for 7, and... You'll do costume and makeup at half seven, or you have breakfast, and you know, and it sounds like wow. And then you start work, you know. Yeah. But yeah. there's sparks. There's sparks. There's um, chippies. There's costume. There's makeup. There's um, all the children who have all turned up two or three hours before me, and will all be leaving two or three hours after me. So those day, their days are longer, yeah. you know. Yeah. And absolutely. They don't want. They don't want somebody being prissy and moody around the place. You know, we've got to appreciate that everybody's there to do their job and have empathy for each other. And if we do that, then we're all going to have a good time and we're all going to hopefully turn out a good product. When it gets tough and it gets moody and windy and rainy, we can withdraw from that deposit of goodwill, you know, and everybody can do a bit of work. I love it. It makes a lot of sense. Michael, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, we, you know, we have the confines of, of a radio show and we can't talk forever, but it'd be completely remiss of me not to ask you about a couple of other things in your in your on your cv because you've done so much i mean when i when i kind of looked at the list on imdb i was like crikey does he ever stop clearly you don't but these are very small roles for you but they're 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 ones that really stand out for me as just being i bet they were ridiculously fun and that of course spins from your friendship with nick frost and simon Pegg, spaced and shawn of the dead because you used to be housemates with them didn't you that's right yeah we all the three it was lived together for about four years, five years, up in Kentish Town and then Highgate. Yeah, it was great. It was great. You know, there was it, it was really interesting, you know, because they're younger than me and my marriage had split up and I was and Simon and Nick split up with their relationships. But, you know, that sort of living together, nearly like a men behaving badly scenario. Yeah. Watching people, uh, and the three of us were all very creative and we were working on separate projects and Simon and Jessica got commissioned to write space and watching that develop and then eventually Simon and Jessica come to me and go on look we've got this character it's based on you because I used to be a cycle courier and a DJ and all of that you know asset house DJ and it would you know can we write him and I went do you want to will you play him and I went yeah Yeah. and so that was you know those are fantastic days you know and we're we're still really close friends it's just lovely I'm really proud to see Simon and Nick where their careers have went, you know. We're, we're all very supportive of each other in so many ways, you know. Thank you, Michael. And you can see Dead Still now streaming on Acorn TV. Now, coming up next after the break, it's Made in Chelsea star, Jamie Lang. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. 
Find out more at drivenchat.com. Welcome back to Driven with me, Andy J. Joining me now to talk about his new podcast, Six Degrees, with Jamie Lang and Spencer Matthews on BBC Sounds and Life on Made in Chelsea, it's Mr. Jamie Lang. Now, Jamie, I've got to admit, I am a big fan of Made in Chelsea. I've watched for quite a while. And I must say, you, well, you've changed, haven't you? You, you seem quite a lot calmer now. Well, I think what happened was is that I got a little bit too old. I think at the beginning <laughs> what happened was at the beginning it was like, oh, what a ah, God, Jamie, you little. And then it became, ah, oh, God, when will he learn? And then it became, hmm, that's not, that's probably not right. And then it became, he's a bit of a douchebag. <laughs> and now it's, that's just weird. <laughs> well, I didn't change my opinion, dude. You I did. saw the way that you treated Sophie. You pretty much cheated on her. No, you slept I didn't. with another. Well, you were pretty much. Harry, in a it's relationship not about no, Harry. It's not about like, Sophie. No, Harry, we're not talking ridiculous. about. We're not talking about me and Sophie. We're talking about me and Sam. I was a coward to Sam. I didn't tell him the truth. I wasn't trying for my own ego to make friends with him. You have no respect from anyone. You live off your girlfriend. You know how weak you are as an individual. You must be aware when you're filming these things that you have the ability and the person you're talking with or talking behind the back of to watch it back later mm. on on telly. Yeah. So like, are you never kind of like, oh yeah, I can't say these naughty things about this person, but actually no, I've said it because now they're going to see it. And does that ever come into your mind? Do you forget the cameras it's, it's are one, there? Yeah, it's one of these funny scenarios where you always ask the same question, is it real, is it real? It, it, it's 100% real. And what it is, is that you're thrown into an environment where you can't talk about the weather, because talking about the weather is pretty boring. No one wants to hear about that. So they would talk about your feelings. You're like, okay, I'll talk about my feelings. And so that kind of happens. And then what, ha what also occurs is that, yeah, you say things about one another and you use the show as a safety net. And then we'll be sitting there re-watching the show together and you'll turn around and look at me and be like, you said that? And I'll be like, Come on, it was on the show, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Knowing, but actually, I did mean it, but I'm just now pretending because of the show, it doesn't matter. So it kind of works like that. Do you know what, it's an amazing experience. I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that if you get to go in this amazing industry of television and things like that and entertainment, which is a very hard industry to get into. And at the beginning, you know, it was very much just a group of buddies hanging out and, and being paid to do it. So that was quite cool. And I kind of remained doing it because firstly, I think loyalty is a big thing. I think that Channel 4 are just great. And I kind of like this world. And people feel like they can just jump ship and do different things quite easy. But actually, it's not that easy just to... If you're, if you're uh, a sort of young, privileged white posh person people kind of don't really sympathize for you and go right here so you have to it's kind of you're set, setting yourself up for kind of a fall already so i've sort of remained in it because it's just a fun place to be to be honest it's a really fun place to be you know it's nice to hear you saying that jamie and when i i mean i've been presenting for about 300 years now before tellies were even existed and i remember the very first thing that the producer said to me because i thought i mean i got a job straight out of uni and i thought oh my word i'm i made it i'm going to be famous not that i was yeah. ever cared about fame but what was interesting yeah. to me is that that my producer said well actually no one's really going to recognize you until you've been on telly for at least seven years and i was like no nah, nonsense i'll be on one show and i'll be able to walk on the high street and everyone's going to want in my picture and all the rest of it but mm. you know you have grown with the show and, and let's be fair there are people who were on at the same time as you say even a couple of years ago who aren't on the show anymore no yeah. one will remember who they are respectfully no one will know your yeah. longevity in the show is is what's bringing you what i would suggest is this second wave of profile i don't mean to sort of talk out of turn but i would suggest oh. that you are being earmarked as the new golden boy for the bbc you should have been on strictly if it wasn't for your injury you've got this new podcast it feels like big things are en route 
I think that in this is how I if, if we kind of really go into things I think that in life you have to be really persistent with stuff and I think that people give up very easy Denzel Washington actually said it so well keep working keep striving never give up fall down seven times get up eight without commitment you'll never start but more importantly without consistency you'll never finish ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, see you at work. And it is so true, and I kind of realized from the very beginning, I realized that I was just a reality star. You know, God, I can't even play like a recorder. I have no talent <laughs> whatsoever. So I wasn't just going to be given the jobs that I thought. I, you know, I went on to television. I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be famous. This is going to be great. I'm going to be in the next James <laughs> Bond movie. <laughs> and obviously, that's just not the case. And you have to be brought down to earth. The BAFTA goes to Made in Chelsea. Getting him up at the BAFTAs in front of all these amazing people who have acted their entire lives, who have hustled their entire lives, who have done this, who have done that, who have worked so hard. And then they watch a bunch of 21-year-olds get on stage who have just supposedly lived off their parents' money. And <laughs> they're just literally like, what the hell? So I straight away knew my place. And I think hard work kind of shines above everything. I think if you work hard and you commit to what you want to do, then you kind of reap the rewards at some point. So hopefully it pays off at some point, but who knows? Mate, it, it feels like, you know, I mean, like I say, I've been telling you a very long time and it does feel like, you know, there's a there's a path opening for you that's that's a really interesting and exciting one and I'm looking I'm forward so to watching it unfold. Now, let, let me talk to you about pressure, Jamie, because obviously you've just alluded to the fact the common viewer of Made in Chelsea, we look at the, the cast members and we think, well, the thing that binds them in is everybody's got rich parents, right? Mm. But that... I'm guessing, because there's a known thing about you, I think it was your grandfather that created the McVitie's Digestive Biscuit, mm. is that right? Which is amazing. But also, you've had to live with that since you were born. You know, that's, yeah. that's something that's in your family that you're expected to be the heir of and go on achieving that level. I don't think I ever felt pressure to, to replicate what uh, members of my family have done. I don't think I've ever had pressure to do that. What I think I did have pressure was, I went to Leeds University, and I remember when I was at Leeds University, I was, I was studying theatre performance, and I just, I just wanted to be a dancer. And I was studying <laughs> theatre performance, and I had a conversation with one of the girls there, it was my first year, and one of the girls came up to me, and she went to a northern state school, and I went to a southern private school. And she said, you went to a private school, I went to a state school, but we're at the same place. What was different about yours? Why was yours better? And I sat there and I couldn't really, I went, well, I don't know. So, well, why did you pay for yours? And I didn't. I think what happened was, is that coming from sort of a privileged, privileged background and understanding these things is that um, I was very lucky enough to go on nice holidays. I lived in a nice house. Food was on the table every single evening. I didn't have to think about it. If we went and drove to wherever, petrol was in the car. Every single time I wanted to go on holiday with my friends, I was able to. I never had to really work, uh, you know, when I was young. I didn't have to have a job in Sainsbury's or the local whatever to earn money. And I think that unconsciously, you suddenly get pressure to do that, that you want to provide that for your family as well because you want to live the same life that you were able to live. And right. then when you realize as you get older, that is hard and it's hard to earn money and it's hard to be financially stable. 
And I think that became a big pressure in my early 20s where I was really concerned about have I taken, because becoming a real estate, you, you didn't make money. And, and then you'd also chosen a route that wasn't typically the right one to choose and all these different things. So I struggled with that. But that gave me the mentality to start my business, Candy Kittens, and do different things because I kind of had that work ethic within me because I was conscious of not being able to do the same things for my future family, hopefully, that I was able to do. I mean, it's really interesting, Jamie, because, you know, you talk from a viewpoint, of course, you know, I, I, I didn't, you've effectively acknowledged your privilege, which I think is very, is very responsible of you. But also, you know, we, I, I don't have that privilege and, you know, I don't know many people that have had that sort of upbringing either. I'm more on the side of the lady that spoke to you at Leeds. What's nice to hear is that you've accepted it and you're also sharing that actually it does come with pressure itself and I guess crucially as well Jamie money is definitely not everything what I'm interested to hear is that you're talking about you know you want to provide for a future family etc and I guess what I'm saying to you is that you know the way you provide for that future family is not just having millions of pounds in the bank yes totally it's about loving them and being there for them and inspiring them and and you have by the sound of things that work ethic that suggests to me already that you're going to be a responsible and mature human being to a to a child that's exactly it you know um there's that there's an amazing quote by socrates right so socrates spoke of the two levels of happiness again if we go really deep the two levels of happiness the lower level is wealth power fame glory all these kind of things that when you achieve it you don't really understand why you're you're not that happy you don't feel a sense of achievement mm. and the higher level is good relationships love passion empathy all those kind of things and actually the higher level is the one that you want to achieve if you achieve the lower level, you actually don't become, you don't reach pure happiness and you don't reach success. If you get the higher one, then you do reach complete success. And it took me, if I'm totally honest, a while to realize that. And I think that's probably down to myself, surrounding friends and things like that, that I thought that actually what happened is that success was all about making money. And in fact, it's totally not. Money brings you a sense of security and it brings you a sense of freedom. You, you're able to do things if you have some money. So you can go on holidays, you can buy food, you can pay for your kids to go to a theme park, right? You can do things like that. But it actually doesn't bring you happiness. What brings you happiness is actually strong relationships, good relationship with friends, doing something that you absolutely love. So having a purpose every single day. And it took me to half of my 20s to my late to my late 20s to really understand what success really was. And I kind of drum that into people now. And I do these sort of talks and things like that because we live in this world of Instagram and everyone driving Lamborghinis and the young YouTubers talking about how much money they're making and things like that and it kind of drives the wrong message that life is about being rich and it's definitely not about that whatsoever well richness isn't wealth in my opinion rich is love and appreciation and respect totally. and kindness jamie let, let me ask you a question because of course you know again and, and i don't mean this to, to sort of you step out of the, the bubble of 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 a, of, a, of a reality show for a moment you know it, it seems when you watch the show or, or when you kind of follow people on instagram or whatever that are members of the cast and so on and so forth that all people really care about is how many likes they get and how much you know people they'll never meet never run into never have anything to do with in the real world care how much do you actually care about that how much do you do a story specifically thinking oh i hope everyone likes this and thinks i'm funny does does that really matter and i'm not judging you if it does matter to no. you because if it does fair enough when instagram and social media started it was very addictive because you got immediate validation for whatever you put out so you would put out a video you put out a picture and you would get all these likes and 
the likes uh, where a sense of appreciation, sense of validation that you were doing the right thing. You know, there's lots of arguments to suggest why I even did a reality show in the first place. You know, why would someone go and do that? You know, there, there has to be some sort of situational thing going on where you probably want to gain some sort of validation. And if I'm totally honest, the reason why... You know, one of the main reasons I wanted to do a reality show at the beginning because I thought it'd be fun to be famous for a bit. I yeah. thought that fame would be amazing. And I thought it would be, oh my God, what? This would be the most amazing thing. And then you realize you get to that mountain and you go, ah, it's not kind of cracked up what it's meant to be. I think that social media is um, a, I think it's a very wonderful thing. I also think it's a very toxic thing. I believe that the problem we have with social media now is that, yes, as a creator, I suppose, as creators or as a person with a bit of influence, a person with a following, you definitely have a sense of pressure to constantly upload and put things up there and put things out there in order to get... Because you're. I think it's the fear of being forgotten, if right. I'm totally honest. I think that's what the fear is. So you're uploading pictures because you're thinking, if, you, if I don't upload photos and I don't do this and I don't do that, I'm going to be forgotten. Not only that... We're meant to have, as people, a village mentality, right? So we're meant to, if you had a wedding normally back in the day, you would invite 100 to 200 people, or you would, that's what you would do. You would, you would have, you know, 100 to 200 people, and they'd come and experience whatever it would be. Out of those 100 to 200 people, you would have a USP, a unique selling point. So something that was meant to you, you were either the best dressed, or the funniest, or the best at music, or the best at going to the gym, or the best mother, or the best father. So you had something that you recognized as you. They would go, Jamie, you're the great, great baker, whatever it was. The problem with social media now is that you have access to millions and millions of people and you're not the best baker or the best actor, or the best musician or the best things. You'll wake up every day and comparing yourself to other people who are better than you. Right. And so you then feel that you've lost your unique sense of purpose and your unique selling point. So then you feel inadequate to all these different people. And I think that's the problem that you, we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people when we shouldn't be doing that at all. We should be living our own lives and trying to be going on our own journey and reaching our own sort of success. And that's my issue with it, that I think everyone, unfortunately, not everyone, but I'd say a huge majority of people are comparing themselves to one another. And the reason why I post, going back to your original question, is because I feel like if I don't, then I'm probably not doing the same amount as other people, therefore I'm behind in the line. And I think that's the issue where it comes from. I don't mean this to sound unkind, but there's, there is more depth to you than there appears on the show. Um, yeah. I'm not suggesting that you don't come across as lovely on the show. <laughs> you do, but you don't come across necessarily as this uh, a deeper thinker. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's really refreshing to have some face time with you, and, and it, what a privilege for me. It seems, like I say from the outside looking in, that it's fun being Jamie Lang, that every day's a party, but that's, that clearly isn't the case. No, it's definitely not. I'm a huge optimistic person. I, you know, I love life. I think life is amazing. But it comes with its stresses and strains and all these different things. And, you know, if you do a reality TV show for 10 years, it does weigh in on sometimes on yourself in terms of 19, 20, 21 years old. I was this young, hyperactive, full of energy guy, and I still am. But when you join a television show, you almost sort of take on some sort of a persona in a weird kind of way. Right. You are yourself, but it's a heightened version. And I think for me, what happened was, is that, you know, in life, you should have times where you have your normal life and then you have your work life and then you have your normal life. For me, it was just everything. Made in Chelsea is your life. So work and life mixed together. So I 
had an issue, you know, for a few years where I thought I had to be, hey, 100% all the time. And if I wasn't 100% all the time, then it wasn't going to work. I thought if I wasn't getting up at six in the morning and going to the gym and then, you know, doing this and this and this and, oh, hey, how are you doing? And making everyone laugh and all this all the time, that I wasn't being the best version of myself. And so what you then had to do is you had to sort of learn that there's a great conversation going on now all about mental health and i think that's a wonderful thing and you know the, you know if we you know the biggest killer for males under 45 is still suicide in the uk which is a crazy statistic right right so i think it's important for guys to sort of open up about the way they sort of handle stuff but i think for men in their 20s they kind of grow up and you kind of you start to know yourself at the beginning of your 30s, I really think. I think your 20s, you just don't know what the hell's going on. You're suddenly just going, well, what's happening here? And then your 30s, you start to sort of cool down. And for me, I'm very lucky. I have a very privileged life and I love what I do, but it comes with its stresses and its strains and its worries and all of these different things, like with everyone. And I think that's what you realize is that I did a TV show once for the BBC, which was called uh, Famous Rich and Hungry. And I did it when I was much younger. Yeah, great title. And I lived with two different families, one in Croydon and one in Sheffield who lived off benefits. They lived off £1.50 a day for food. I mean, it was just intense. But what it made me realize is actually that every, human beings were all exactly the same. We are totally exactly the same. We have all of the same sort of problems in a sense, but they're just different, different, you know, different intensities. So someone have different things or whatever it is. And that was a huge eye opener for me because I started to realize that not every everyone's not different. People are dealt different cards and people have different lucks and different situationals and things like that. And some people are incredibly unfortunate and some people are incredibly fortunate. But I think for me, I have a wonderful life, but there are sometimes some stresses. You know, running a business is very stressful having relationships on camera it can be very stressful um you know doing all those things being in the entertainment world as you know and it, it's really quite stressful so life is just a little now i understand why peter pan wanted to stay young forever. yeah it was just such a wonderful experience there was no pressure and as you get older the pressure comes on but that's what life is about and you handle it the way you handle it now, who would have thought Jamie Lang would have been so inspirational? Don't forget you can hear more from Jamie Lang and download his podcast, Six Degrees with Spencer Matthews on BBC Sounds right now. Now, after the break here on Driven, we're going to get our dancing shoes on and uh, have a lovely chat with professional dancer Katya Jones. Talk Radio. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. I imagine you know who it is already. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome to the show professional dancer from Strictly Come Dancing, the wonderful Katia Jones. How are you doing, Katia? Hi, Andy. I'm amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. And what lovely language to hear you're amazing. This is really sensational news because a lot of people have been kind of struggling and finding this time a little bit weird and a little bit crazy. But I've got to say, Katia, I've been having a look at what you're doing and it sounds really exciting. Would you like to tell us about beyond the Beyond Lockdown Empire? Yes. Well, myself, Joanne Clifton, who also wants to kid before, and our amazing friend Sasha, we just we always get asked how we're so happy. How did we keep up such a good mood and pro, so proactive during lockdown? So we thought, you know what? Why don't we share it with people? Because, yeah. like you said, everybody just needed that little bit of a motivation so in june we did our first course we came up with this seven day course um which is motivational career driven we're sharing our experience we're giving them 
step by step to their success. We say it's, it's seven days to find your fire again because I feel like this is what everybody needed. And we wanted everybody to get ready for the after lockdown, you know, that once this is all eased off, they're ready to go and they're roaring to go. But also who knew that out of after the successful first course, we actually brought out the book, which yes, is quite exactly crazy. Yes, and this is what. So um, this is a guide. If people if people can't come on the course for for whatever reason, this is the this is the kind of manual that would accompany it. This is the the, the written guide. Yes, Do you know what it is. We really wanted it to be like a very personal journal to their success. So there's a lot of activities they have to do themselves, write it physically down, get involved, and if they ever wake up and feel a little bit dismotivated, they can open up their book and remind themselves of what they're going for. Um, so it's very personal for everybody. It's a it's great gift for your friends because we talk a lot about having the squad, the gang around you that supports you. So if you want to be part of the Empire Squad, the like-minded people who's going to be there for you, definitely join in. And on Monday, at uh, the 20th of July, we're doing a book signing meet and greet. Uh, at the River Gardens Cafe in North Greenwich. So, yeah, I just think this is what some people struggle with. And if we can share our experience a little bit and um, how to sort of get back up again, how to achieve your biggest dreams, it's, it's, it's nice that we can help out. I love this. I love that sentence that you've got, which is that, that this this course, this book can help you find your fire. I mean, that's, that's fire, a really, yeah. yeah, that's just such an empowering phrase, isn't it? And, and we could all do with a bit of feel good right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, what we found, that it, it wasn't just for performers or we thought maybe people connect to us as dancers. Absolutely not. We had people wanting to open up B&Bs, um, wanting to become wedding planners, wanting to be yacht brokers. And we had from the ages of 9 to 69. It's just absolutely incredible the response we had. We had so many lovely success stories and, and just see them sort of support each other after. It wasn't just like a one-time birth. They still on it they literally some of them came back for our second course which we're in the middle of right now and they're just giving that fire to the newbies that come on on a course it's quite contagious you know that energy i've got a huge smile on my face listening to this catchy because you, <laughs> you you've got i can hear it in your voice the energy that you're you're giving out the positivity and everything it's 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 i mean obviously it's inspiring it has to be which is Ooh. which is terrific and catchy if you don't mind me saying so you know you are very well placed to be doing this because not only of course as a professional dancer have you achieved the highest things that you can achieve but you've also You've lived out some struggles very publicly and, and come out on top, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. And I think um, this is what's important, you know, believing yourself and knowing who you are and finding what, you know, ignites that fire within you. Uh, it was my birthday um, during lockdown, you know, and I was isolated by myself. But I just, I just said that, oh, my God, it's been so nice because I'm my own best friend. I'm my own of soulmate so and I always say you know no one else around you or no opinions will define who you are and I feel like this is what will really find people on the course to find what they are what their fire is what their passion is you know we'll cover so many subjects to help them become 
um, excited about their life, you know, about wow. their own life and you really focusing will be, on things around. You'll yeah. totally be learning from the best by the sound of things, Katia. I mean, you know, you, you, you are, I mean, you embody resilience, if you don't mind me saying so. You, 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 can it's we, a good thing, though. Oh, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's only a positive. It's only a positive. And I, I want to touch on this if you're okay with it. You're probably bored to death of talking about it. But absolutely bored, you're right. I bet you are. I bet you are. But, but, but I think it's relevant with regards to the course because, of course, there was, you know, it's a few years ago now, there was the, the Sean Walsh kiss that everyone talked about. And you personally, you, you took a lot of hits. You know, the, the newspapers hounded you. They chased you. It, it cannot have been fun at all. You know, did it... How did you keep dancing? How did you keep going during that period? Um, I just focused on my work and what I love the most. I absolutely love my job. I love teaching. This is my biggest passion. Uh, I love sharing. I love helping people. So I just focused on those things that matter to me, on people who love me, who care me, for, for me, people around me. So this is what it's all about, isn't it? It's, all the rest of it, I just look at it, it's not real. You know, people don't know who I am um, and what my life is, so I'm just going to focus on things that matter. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's, that's really positive to hear that because it, it must have been a very strange and, and unexpected kind of byproduct of, 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 a, of a fleeting moment. Yeah, whatever happened, happened. It doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it's been so long ago and uh, so many exciting good things that happened since. So... Um, I'm really happy where I am now. Good. No, that's that's really great to hear. Can we have a little chat about Strictly? Because, of course, you know, we've had social distancing in play for a long time. Yeah. Now. There's, there's lots of speculation about can can Strictly survive a social distance dance situation? Have you, have you, have you kind of had any talks with the producers? Are there any plans to sort of be able to move forward? Well, I think the main thing is we are back. It's been confirmed, sickness coming back on your screen, right. bringing that joy, that parcel that everybody definitely needs in current uh, um, climate. So I think this is the really important bit. And I feel like, um, it, of course, it's going to be probably adjusted. And I know the team is doing all the best to sort of have it as original as possible. And we're still waiting on the guidelines because they constantly change and we know that things constantly improving so who knows how it's going to be in a couple of months but i feel like people will accept it in whatever shape and form it is because we just want it back we want dancing back we want new journeys new stories new outfits and i can't wait i can't wait to feel the guys we've not seen each other for a long time i so. bet i bet mm. i also have to ask you katie because it's another thing that you are famous for that wonderful routine with ed balls a bit, bit of gangnam style oh my gosh i know oh <laughs> me and ed me and ed we keep in touch constantly uh we're really good friends and uh, in the beginning of lockdown when it was 2.6 challenge we did uh live on instagram um gangnam style yeah. for 2.6 minutes <laughs> and so we made it look as if he's on top and i've made those fake legs to make it look <laughs> as if we're doing the movie it was absolutely hilarious it was brilliant yeah all in, in you know for a good cause obviously you know, I hope, Katia, that at some point you change your phone ringtone to the Gangnam Style ringtone because it just it just seems appropriate. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. I, I think 
Oh, I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's literally haunting me everywhere I go now. But in all the right ways, it was such a lovely, lovely moment. And, you know, I'm sure, I mean, people must shout that to you when they see you in the streets and stuff. You must, you must get people kind of doing the tune, do they? Not really. Oh, I think, okay. Yeah. Well, I think I would like to think that every year I've brought something new, you know, so yes. people remember those moments, which is great. But I do know that, yes, wherever Ed goes and even like some serious, important political things, people always bring it up, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. It just shows his human side, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Mm. It really does. Um, Katia, th this show is called Driven. It's about what drives people. It's about what people, you know, how how achievers get out of bed in the morning. And, and indeed, yeah. you know, this, this whole mantra, how, how you find the fire, just give, mm -hmm. give, give us a couple of quick tips because you sound so positive and so full of energy and so full of get go T tell us how you, yeah. you, you kind of keep doing it i think first of all we've got to uh, really define what it is that you're passionate and a lot of people don't know or it's got they got to sort of traffic light of their light and then a bit of a standstill currently so really refining what it is so how i know for example i said this teaching is my app this passion and how I know that it's the right path, the right thing, the real passion is that I imagine myself in different circumstances. So whether I'm teaching on the biggest TV show, because people can say, yeah, of course you enjoy your job, you know, you're doing it on BBC Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. But no, I also do it in my dance studio. I also used to do in a tiny, horrible village hall, uh, you know, like two square meters big. I also now do it over FaceTime, over Zoom, teaching people. And I just know, no matter circumstances I'm in, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to get up and do it. And I think this is one thing how you can define whether it's the right thing. Because a lot of us enjoy sitting down on the sofa and watching telly. Uh, but that doesn't mean, does it really mean it's our passion? You know, I really enjoy coming back to my sofa and doing it, you know. <laughs> So I think if you imagine yourself, no matter what circumstances, I love teaching and I know that's what I love, one of my passions. Um, and then um, I always find myself that surrounding yourself with people it's so important and that actually has been like a deal breaker for me because being a solo runner always in a way of a competing and mm. dancing world um i've not really had this consistent support around me but now having these amazing women joanne and sasha around me who are like-minded who are there for me always who are there to say yes girl this is amazing keep going um you know not letting me sort of um lose faith in my maybe a project that I want to do, but rather asking me like, okay, what's the next step? What are you going to do about it? Mm. And I think having those people around you is really, really a big deal. Um, these like few things for me are really important. That's great. I mean, so find your passion, find your tribe. Katia, th these are great words and, and words I think we should all live by and, and kind of, you know, be inspired by. The Beyond Lockdown Empire sounds absolutely brilliant. I wish you all the very best with it. And, I, and I'm sure that you'll be inundated with people wanting to be part of it. Lots of you guys on Monday will be there chatting about it. Just want, if you want to see us, if you want to meet us, please come down. You'll find all the info on our social medias. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Katia. You have a great day. Well, thanks, Andy. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Brilliant.
Oh, the lovely Cassia Jones there. Now, listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we also have an automotive spin-off podcast, which is, well, kind of lots of cool, fun chats about cars. Here is a little clip from this week's show. I don't know if I should risk asking this question, so don't answer it if you don't want to. Okay. okay? Old Defender or New Defender? Amy. Old. Like, hands down. I, I, I like the New Defender, but I think it's a little bit... I know, it just is too far, two steps sideways from what I think the heritage of the old Defender is. And that's what I quite like about the, the Grenadier is that you kind of look and you think, oh, that's what I wished the, like personally, this is just what I think, what I wished the, the new Defender had more, like look, look more like and kind of seemed to be more like. So I'm a little bit disappointed with the new one, but I can see why they've done it the way they have. And I think it's a, a cool a really cool car, but um, yeah, just personal disappointments are old for me, I think. Fair enough. So John Markar... New Defender or Grenadier Ineos thing? Ooh. Oh, that's cruel, because I thought you were going to say this. ask me the same question. No, no, I'm, I'm mixing it up. Wait till you hear what you I've got what? to ask John <laughs> I'm going to be probably a little more controversial than most people here, and I'm going to go New Defender, because for me, as a car that I'd want to drive daily, the New Defender is closer to what I would like. The old Defender, I've driven a few of them, and I love the charm of them. I love the the ability to go off-road and the fact that they are a bit rough and ready, but they're not the most comfortable things to drive on a long journey, whereas the new Defender I know is just going to be so lovely and so capable. And I know loads of people moaned when they, the concept designs came out and they said, oh, you know, you're not going to throw a sheep in the back of that, you're not going to use that on your farm's field. No farmer has been buying Defenders to move their sheep <laughs> around for years. That's yeah. that's the job of... Hilux. Hiluxes, yeah. exactly. So what they have designed... I understand why people don't like it, but I think it's a fabulous product. I really do. And it is going to be fantastic off-road, and you are going to be able to drive to Italy in it, and it's going to do all the lovely things. And that, for me, is why I I don't have any desire to have a car that is purposely built to go off-road, but if I had a car that could, then I'm very happy. So there you go, a quick clip from the Driven Chat podcast, the automotive companion to this show. Of course, this show is also available as a podcast. It's the Driven Celebrities podcast, and you can find both Driven Chat and Driven Celebrities wherever you get your pods. That's it for this week, but let me tell you, next week, wow, we've got some superstars. We have the wonderful singing sensation Catherine Jenkins, the ever-hilarious superstar actor Miriam Margulies, and another wonderful actor for you, a real joy of a lady, Kelly Shirley. Those three wonder women Join me once again here on Driven on Talk Radio next week. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.